Find Psalm 84, if you would. Psalm 84. So yeah, 25 years at the same church. We'll be celebrating that this, this next week. And, and so I'm thinking, what do I say? For 25 years of pastoral ministry, how can I encourage uh, you students and, and the faculty here and, and you know, what, what deep theological things that I discover or discern that, that will transform you? And I just kept coming back to Psalm 84. Here's the thing that I want to say after 25 years of being at the same church. Sundays are still my favorite day of the week. That's my conclusion. Sundays are still my favorite day of the week. Of all the experiences I've had, all the blessings that I have received, for me, the most exciting and the most important moments of my life are still those moments when my church family gathers for corporate worship. Those are still the most important moments in my life after 25 years. How many of you are 25 years or younger? Raise your hand. You make me feel really old today. All right, so imagine that at the end of your ministry, that you would be able to say that. Well, you can't say it at the end if you can't say it at the beginning. So are Sundays the most important days of your week? Is the gathering of God's people the most important experiences that you enjoy in this life? 25 years means a lot of seasons that Kay and I have been through. We have seen the, the seasons of spring, of life and health and vitality and growth in our church. We have been through the desert. We've seen times where our church was spiritually dry to the point where it felt dead, where we had to deal with distress and heartache, despair, both personally and as a congregation. But it is in those seasons that you began to experience the persevering grace of our Lord. Because whether or not it's, it's springtime or the heat of the summer or the coldness of winter, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the darkness of the valley, God uses all of those to teach you that he is there and that you need to continue to worship him in spirit and in truth, regardless of the season. It is those things that I think mature the, the person, the man or the woman of God, to make you to be a true worshiper. Because ultimately, it's, it's not going to be whatever you want your successes to be in ministry. At the end, what God really wants is for you to remain a true worshiper of him and for you to experience the joy of corporate worship. So now, here's the question. If Sunday is not your favorite day of the week, first of all, I'm wondering, why are you here? And if corporate worship, the gathering of God's people, your church family, singing and praying and experiencing the word of God, if those aren't the most important moments of your life, how are you supposed to lead the church? Now, maybe you just have been blessed by being raised in church and you don't realize this, but you're taking it for granted. Maybe you don't realize 
the life that is attached to the gathering of God's people, the strength that is associated with it, the vitality that you need if you're going to persevere in ministry of any sorts. The gathering of God's people is one of the great graces of the Christian life. But friends, if there is not a hunger for it, a hunger that remains, then you're really going to struggle in ministry if you want in any way to last. So I want to share with you one of my favorite songs. This song basically teaches us that Christ has made the way for us to receive the blessings of gathered worship. Psalm 84 is a song about that. Christ has made the way for us, his people, his church, to receive the blessings of corporate worship. Let me read this beautiful song, and then I'll pray. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house who praise you continuously. Happy are the people whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Consider our shield, God, Look upon the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. Father, your word is true. Your word transforms. And now I just pray that as I walk through this beautiful song, that we would have a renewed appreciation and hunger and desire for corporate worship. You made us to be worshipers. Help us to be that, Father with all the help that your spirit might give, and so that one day these students would then lead churches to do the same, to gather to worship our Lord of armies. Father, may you be blessed the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 84 is a, a song of ascent. It was written for the Jews who went on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to enjoy one of the great festivals or feasts in their calendar year. Now, what you have to understand 
is that for the faithful Jew back during the time that this was written, that you may at best go to church once a year, maybe twice or three times, I mean, if you're really blessed, because you would have to travel many miles and, and you would have to make provisions and, and then you would gather, maybe uh, it would be at the, the Passover uh, celebration or maybe Pentecost or maybe in the fall during uh, the, the, fe the Feast of Booze or Tabernacles, but, but at best you're able to, to go into those courtrooms where the people of God have met and where there is singing and praying and praising and you get to join in on that celebration, but not very often. And yet we get to do it every week and meet with the living God, with God's people every week. And this song in particular, there, there were um, about a dozen songs in uh, the Psaltery that were written by a, a group of Levitical priests called the Sons of Korah. Now, if you know your Old Testament history, there's a bit of a dark past between a dude named Korah and Moses, but later, as King David, who was a worshiper, and he was uh, designating the responsibilities of all the Levitical priests in the nation, he set aside a huge group of Levitical priests for the gathering of God's people for corporate worship. And the sons of Korah were one of those groups. And so um, these Levitical priests, they, they would be responsible as the gatekeepers for those who entered into the courtroom uh, of, of, of the temple that Solomon built. They, they would be the worship leaders. The, the song leaders, if you would. They would be the modern-day greeters ministry and worship team, and they absolutely love the responsibility when God's people would gather to experience corporate worship. But then again, they were only able to serve on a rare occasion. And when called upon, then they would have to make the long pilgrimage from wherever their town or their village was all the way to Jerusalem. And sometimes that would take weeks or maybe even longer. It would be like some of you who, who are serving in a church. Maybe you're in student ministry or, or, or in youth ministry and, 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 and some of you guys and, and, and your, your lead pastor came to you and say, hey, guess what? In six months, I want you to preach on a Sunday morning. And you'd be like, let's go. And for six months, you're thinking about, I'm going to preach that sermon. And you're working on it. And you're anticipating it. And, and, and you just can't wait for that time to get there. That would sort of be like one of these sons of Korah who, who gets the message, it's time. You get to lead worship during Passover. And off on a pilgrimage, he would go. And this song was, was, was written to describe the, the journey that, that would take place in this pilgrimage. But, but this song also uh, comes to us with this, with this aspiration that, that we as worshipers would develop this, this hunger and this desire for worship that we might receive the blessings of corporate worship. Like, like many of the, of the songs in the Bible, Psalm 84 is meant to be sung. It's, it's meant to be experienced. It's not meant to be read as a theological treatise. This is not where you take a shovel and you dig down 
in, into the depths of doctrine. Now, this, this song is supposed to lift us up. This song is supposed to take our hearts upward. This song is supposed to remind us of the glory and the beauty of, of the gathering of God's people. This song is supposed to develop a desire and a hunger in us, and it really comes in three moves. And the first move simply is that, is that, that we, as God's people, we must develop a, a hunger for worship. So now, look what it says, verse 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies, here the Messiah, the Son of God, is described as, as the Lord of armies. Your translation may say Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of heavenly hosts. He's the Lord of the earthly hosts. He's the Lord of heavenly armies. And today we know Jesus as the Lord of the army that he calls the church. He's the Lord. And whenever the Lord's people gather, that place becomes lovely. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies? The psalmist here is, is considering uh, the grandeur of the temple where God's people would gather. And he says, I, I long and I yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out to the living gods. So now you, you just have to imagine this son of Korah being called upon, time to go, make the journey. You get to go to the dwelling place where God's people will gather. And he is singing, how my heart is longing for this. I'm developing this, this hunger and this, this thirst for this. That is exactly the mentality that we should have when we go to church on Sunday. It's why Charles Spurgeon called the church gathered as the dearest place on earth. It's why he called this psalm the sweetest of all the psalms. Isn't it true that when the people of God gather, meaning that's where the Spirit of God is, is that not the most important place on this earth? And we get to be there? We get to take part in that? When the church gathers for worship, it becomes a holy place. When the believers assemble, it becomes, as the psalmist said, a lovely place. But before you get to church, you've got to develop a hunger for it. There should be a desire for it. I grew up in an Italian home, and we had great food. And... But my mom told me that if you're ever invited over to someone's house to eat, come hungry. And if you're not sure the food's going to be good, come really hungry. Because then, no matter how good the food is, if you come really hungry, you'll appreciate it, right? And so, so I learned a lesson, be hungry. And, and, and I've also learned this is, this is how God wants us to come to church. He wants us to come hungry. He wants us to come hungry to be satiated with only what corporate worship can provide. The best way to come to church is with an appetite. And here the songwriter says, I'm so hungry, I feel like I'm faint. I'm starving. 
to meet with God's people. Remember that Jesus reminds us that part of being a kingdom saint is to hunger and to thirst for righteousness' sake. And if we do hunger and thirst for it, we will be satisfied. So now, in verses 3 and 4, there's this, there's this beautiful illustration which many of the Psalms provide. And in this analogy, it's a bit humorous. As, as this son of Korah is, is now making his journey to Jerusalem and he's starting to imagine as he gets to there to Jerusalem and he's Mount Zion and he's going to make his way up the mountain and he sees uh, the great walls surrounding Jerusalem and just beyond that is the temple, the glorious temple. And then he gets to enter into it. He becomes jealous of a few little birds that are already there. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars. Here's the image. The throngs of worshipers are pouring into Jerusalem. And as they're gathering in, flooding the outer courtroom so that they can sing their praises and worship the Lord, in, in the eaves of the temple are these little birds' nests. It would be, imagine if you would, Mr. Hutchinson allowed birds to have nests in the, in, in the eaves here of this, of this chapel. And, and there they lay their eggs, and there they hatch their young. And so as the worshipers begin to sing, you also hear the songs of these little birds. And this Levitical priest is going, man, I wish I was there. I wish I could make my nest there, always there in the presence of God, always there when the worship of God takes place, where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. And now, the first blessing. Psalm 84 has three blessings. Here's the first in verse 4. How happy or how blessed are those who reside in your house who praise you continuously. The notation Selah just means just stop for a moment. Don't just quickly move ahead. Stop and think about what was just sung. How Happy are those who reside in your house, God. How happy are those who continually praise you. Do you want to know what the blessed life is? It's the life that continually praises God. That's the good life. We should pause and reflect upon that. Yeah, these these sparrows and their swallows, they're getting it. They're raising their little birds in the eaves of, of the temple. They, they, have, they have made their nests there where the people of God gather. These, these sparrows and swallows, these, these worthless birds, right? No one cares about them. Of course, Jesus does in Matthew 6. He actually appoints them. But it reminds us, friends, that the lowliest people on earth become the greatest people if they become true worshipers. The least of people in this world become the greatest people in this world if they become worshipers of the living God. Which means that's the end, you see. As a pastor, that's the end for me. To teach and train and to equip people to be worshipers. If you want to go on to missions, that's your end, missionary. Your end is not conversion. 
Conversion is just a means for that person to eventually become a worshiper, a worshiper of the living God, so that at some point in time, all the nations will be glad. True worship. That's the end, because that's heaven. And so these these birds remind us of that. And so this beautiful song now framed by this first blessing that that those who praise God continually, they are blessed. And this is how we have to, to come to church with this hunger and this desire. This is why we have to make church such an imperative. And, and, and yes, historically, it's always been the case that people take the gathering of God's people for granted. That's why in the beauty of, of the letter to the Hebrews, the author had to pause and say, and by the way, some of you have quit coming to church. What are you doing? How can you motivate and stimulate and encourage one another towards love and good deeds if you're not here? Let us consider the importance of motivating others towards love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as unfortunately some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another all the more. Students, if you do not have a local church home where you gather every Sunday and you come with the greatest hunger and desire, I want to exhort you. You better find that very soon. Because the end is the corporate worship of God's people. And so as, as we develop this desire, right, it begins there, this hunger and this desire for worship, now the song moves, and, and it moves us towards this desire for worship and how it actually increases when life becomes very difficult. But there should be an increased desire for corporate worship when you're going through difficult times. This is how poetically... The psalmist states it. The second blessing, verse 5. Happy are the people whose strength is in you. That's the blessing. Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Like, I'm going to make it to church. I'm going to make it to corporate worship. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength, each appears before God in Zion. All right, so now this is what it's singing about. As the son of Korah is making his way to Jerusalem, he's got to go through the valley. The valley is dry. The valley is difficult. The valley is a symbol of death, of despair. And yet you've got to make it through the valley if you're going to get to the mountain. And so traveling in this journey means that at times our lives will be very difficult. We have to go through the valleys. And in here, the description is the Valley of Baca. It's not a literal place. It's a spiritual place. The Valley of Baca means the Valley of Tears, the Valley of Heartache, the Valley of Despair. It means when you're really tired and you're weary and spiritually you're just so dried up and you're just not sure you can continue on. 
And what do you do when you find yourself in the valley? Because again, what what God wants is you to continue to worship him. Well, how do I do that when I'm struggling? How do I do that when I'm so spiritually dry? Well, friends, this is exactly how you do it. As you pass through the valley of Baca, you make it a source of spring water. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, first of all, if you look closely in verse 6, it says, as you're passing through. Now, what that tells us is, friends, is even when you're in the most difficult moments of ministry, you've got to understand that you're not going to be there forever. I mean, having... Now, a quarter of a century of, of ministry in the same local church, I've been in the Valley of Bacah. But what I learned is that even though I'm there, like the psalmist says, I'm just passing through. I'm eventually going to get through the valley. I'm going to make it. And not only am I just passing through, it's so important for you to understand I'm not there alone. Because if you look, it says, happy are the people, plural people, that what God does when you're in the valley is two things. He brings along people who are willing to walk through the valley with you together so that their strength becomes your strength. From strength to strength, you make it through. But even more importantly, God himself meets you in the valley. Even though you are being asked to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your good shepherd says, but I'm there with you. And my rod and my staff, they'll comfort you. He'll meet you in the valley. And then here's, here's what's so amazing about this. As you're passing through this valley of despair, this valley of tears, the, the song asks you to do something really important. It says, stop and make this desert valley an oasis of life. In other words, dig a well when you're in the valley. Dig a well. There's a whole thing about wells in the Bible. I wish I had time to talk about it. But always there, there's these wells, and they're the source of life. And, and what this song is saying is, oh, even I'm in the darkest place, in the place of despair, one of the things that I must do as I'm passing through is i got to stop and dig a well so that when the life-giving rains come down, there's a place for them to create a pool so that when the next pilgrim is struggling like I struggled and they find that well, they can drink and be nourished. Your valley experiences are merely to equip you to come alongside and strengthen others when they go through the valley. And if you never have really hard times in ministry, you will never be a really good minister. Does that make sense to you? If you haven't been there 
and dug a well, how can you begin to help the person who's there next? We dig a well. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. The first thing he did when he became public in his ministry is he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was starving to death. To death. And there, famished and faint, he met his adversary and he overcame every temptation. He went to the valley of Baca for us. But all that was preparation for a deeper valley. Because just three years later, we find our Savior in another valley of Baca, this time at a place called Calvary. And there he hung, bleeding and dying as our sacrifice. And do you know what Jesus did on the cross for you? He dug a well. His suffering, his bleeding, and his dying were for your redemption. Oh, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And any sinner who's willing to plunge themselves beneath that flood will lose their guilty stains. But it is, it is something that we have to identify with. It's something that we have to join into Christ with, suffering and hardship. And if we do, then later our song will be through many trials and toils and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and his grace will lead me home. The third move and the last move in the song is just simply the blessings we experience when the people of God gather. It begins with a prayer, Lord of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob, pause, just reflect on that. God of armies, our Lord, listen to my prayer. Consider our shield, God. Look at the face of your anointed one. Oh, dear God, would you bless your son, the Messiah, our Savior. We want to worship him. We want for God to bless Christ. That's why we gather to worship. We gather to worship to bless the anointed one. And there's just nothing like it. So much so that that the psalmist now, he's getting excited as he's making his way to Jerusalem, as he's getting ready to ascend Zion's hill and find himself there at the courts where God's people will gather. He says, it is better to have just one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. It's worth the journey. It's worth the valley for just one day. Just one to gather with God's people, to sing and pray and and give praise and experience the word of God. Just one day is better than a thousand other days. He says, I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. I want to be in that lovely place. It's the most important place. 
But again, friends, we cannot take it for granted. We cannot. My 25 years, I've been so privileged, Kay as well, We've, 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 we've been to 20 different countries and have had so many different experiences. And, and always our favorite thing is just to meet with God's people and worship with God's people wherever we go in the world. So many stories. I was thinking about a couple Kay and I met as we were serving in the eastern rural parts of Cuba, far east. There was this, this church planter, this young man, his wife, and a four-year-old son. And they were telling us what Sunday was like for them. Um, about 4.35 a.m., they get up, it's totally dark. They light the lamp, grab their Bibles, and they start walking. Dirt road, 10 miles, they walk. By the time they get to the place where there's a little lean-to, the sun has risen, and they have church, and they have church all day. As the sun begins to set, they grab the lamp, Bible, 10 miles back, no complaints, nothing but absolute joys. He shared his opportunity to meet with God's people every Sunday. I, I used to go to China every year and before I got on a list. And, and, uh, and one of the last experiences that, that I had, I remember uh, with the house church, and they said, okay, we're going to put you in a car and we're going to take you to this place. And when you get to this place, I need you to walk across the street. And then go up the steps and knock on the door. And so I did all that. And I knocked on the door and, and I came in as a few people gathered. And he said, now it's going to take a few hours for all the believers, all the brothers and sisters to gather because if we all came at once, it would become government notice. And so we just waited and for hours. People would just trickle in. And after several hours, the room was so packed full of worshipers and man, did we worship for hours. For hours, no complaints. For them, it was life-giving. It was so absolutely necessary. So friends, look, here's the thing. At some point, if you want to do ministry, you've got to get to the place where this psalmist has got it and say, I'll take one day of church rather than a thousand other days. If that's all I get, I'll take that one day. That's how important it is because of the way this ends. For the Lord God is sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. The last blessing, happy is the person who trusts in you. I want to believe that the son of Korah made it to the temple and had a great celebration. But as I read the rest of the Old Testament, at some point Israel stopped worshiping. And they turned to idols. And it was the leaders of the assembly that led them astray. At some point in time, it was the worship leaders, the priests, who led them astray and stopped becoming true worshipers. But Christ came, and he has established his church. And now, once again, we have the opportunity to worship. And we don't have to go to Jerusalem because Christ is our temple. So wherever the, people, wherever the gathering of the local church is, if the Spirit is there, then Christ is there. And so now we can sing without any hesitation on our Sundays. 
that are one day with Christ as the people in the church gather than any other day. That's why Sundays are still my favorite days. May they be yours. Father, bless my brothers and sisters. Remind us that we were made to be worshipers. And we have the blessing to be able to do it because of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.